To the Moon Jockeys podcast, <laughs> an in-depth discussion of Star Wars themes, characters, and storylines. Now, here are your hosts, Katie and Brian. Welcome to another episode of Moon Jockeys Podcast. My name is Brian, one of your hosts. Katie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great tonight. Oh my gosh. Just, we're talking about Forces of Destiny. I could not be happier unless we were talking about the Phantom Menace again or The Force Awakens or basically anything about Star Wars because I'm always this excited about all things Star Wars all the time. So. It's very exciting to talk about Forces of Destiny. I've been looking forward to this episode for quite some time. Um, ever since, th- basically, the day it was announced, um, it was a very special night, uh, the day of Celebration Orlando. Um, I wanted to uh, introduce us to the Forces of Destiny by playing the very first clip we heard. Uh, are you ready to hear that? <gasps> I'm so ready. Let's hear it. Okay. For many years, something that's been really important to Star Wars is these characters that little kids can grow up and recognize a little bit of themselves. So with Forces of Destiny, there was an opportunity to tell some additional stories around these terrific characters from throughout the franchise. Forces of Destiny, they're these almost bite-sized, short, self-contained adventures that take place in different time periods. It's very much a real part of Star Wars. Well, we were very fortunate to have Daisy reprising her role as Rey. BB-8, this way! Felicity Jones as Jen Erso. I suggest you pick on someone your own size. We have Lupita back as Maz. It's a nice night for telling stories. This new series of shorts just opens up a whole new realm of possibilities. I could not sleep that night when I first heard about Forces of Destiny because it was introducing a whole new world of Star Wars directly focused uh, at little girls or young girls. And as a father of a daughter, I was so excited to share that with her. I could barely sleep that night. What was your first reaction when you heard about Forces of Destiny? Oh, well, I basically wanted to jump up and down and cheer and shout and then climb up to the rooftop and shout some more. <laughs> I was so excited. Uh, I, I didn't hear about it until I think the morning after it was announced because I very distinctly remember sitting down with my morning cup of tea and scrolling through my mobile as I want to do, <laughs> you know, as is my morning routine. And then just seeing tons of tweets and posts uh, just all across social media about this great new thing coming out that focuses on our Star Wars heroines. And not only do we get this great show out of it, but then there were also these pictures of the dolls. And the dolls, more than anything, made me want to stand up and shout because that's basically just having one picture of the dolls was enough to send me through the roof because I've wanted 
pretty much exactly that for a really long time. I can't tell you how much it would have meant to me to be nine years old again and actually have a Princess Leia doll. It was exactly what I had always imagined and always wanted. And to see it real, you know, even just as a tiny pixelated photo on my phone was like a dream come true. Oh, my goodness. The dolls were pretty cool because they had like real hair and hair that you could they came braided and um, I thought that that would be a indirect competition to Barbie. Um, and I th- I was pretty excited about that. I was excited for a new girl's toy line that was more diverse. The, the characters that they chose to use were awesome. Uh, from Sabine to Ray to Leia, Padme. Oh, Ahsoka. certainly. Mm-hmm. It was just so good, and it was exciting that they were um, introducing this. And I love the idea that they're doing these in the the smaller bites, ni- the nugget size clips of the the cartoons. Mm-hmm. I I was a big fan of the micro series when uh, the Clone Wars first was introduced on Cartoon Network, and I thought that that was a great test market to see what the interest was going to be for the full-fledged Clone Wars series. So I'm hoping that this, uh, the Forces of Destiny will become a full-fledged series next year. We'll see how that works. I mean, yeah, that's basically the dream, is uh, is for us to get slightly longer episodes, maybe uh, five, six-minute episodes would be pretty cool. I understand that this series is on YouTube, and so they they definitely want to have smaller, more bite-sized, you know, just pearls of Star Wars (laughs) for us to consume at leisure. Um, But if they could do a little longer format, I think that would be that would be the dream for this line. Was there a doll that you were looking forward to buying the most? Goodness, I think I was probably looking forward most to Ray because uh, honestly, the lightsaber. (laughs) Uh, there's just something really cool about having a a doll who has a lightsaber because for a real long time I think lightsabers were seen as a quote-unquote boys toy if you know how I mean the same way nerf guns and all that are seen as boys toys but then to see this thing that's typically marketed towards girls and she has a lightsaber so she can go on adventures and save BB-8 and everything that meant so much to me but then surprisingly once I actually saw the dolls the ones that I really wanted the most were Sabine and Jin Sabine specifically because of how they did her hair I've never seen a doll with hair like that she was so unique and beautiful that I just had to have her and then I thought Jin too was just exceptionally beautiful and how they uh, designed her doll and just brought her to life in that way she just looks so so sharp so fashionable with her little her little scarf hood (laughs) i haven't bought any of the dolls that come singular yet i i bought all of the um adventure dolls with friends so (laughs) i have r2 i don't have them zoe has them they're zoe's dolls sure yeah sure (laughs) i believe that. (laughs) that my wife was giving me grief this evening just recently because i was 
posing them to take a picture. She's like, <laughs> yeah, those are Zoe's dolls. Uh-huh, sure. I'm I'm legitimately looking at the entire line on my desk right now. I I haven't been able to part with them. <laughs> Usually, um, I I put my dolls on display. If this if it hasn't made itself apparent by now, I am an avid collector of dolls. I get very passionate and very excited about dolls. <laughs> And so usually I, I will get um, doll stands and just make a nice display out of the new dolls that I've purchased. But these I want to have close to me. They they feel um, like like uh, like they could they're they're more like action figures. You know, they're, they're meant to be played with and not displayed per se. Um, so I, I feel really comfortable just posing them all over my desk like they're about to go on adventures. So I am seriously looking at all of the Forces Destiny dolls that they've released thus far. I have two rays on my desk, the, the Jakku ray and then the Resistance ray with the lightsaber. I have uh, Sabine, obviously, Jin, and both Leias, the Hoth Leia and the Endor Leia. They're all looking at me right now. Did you take them out of the box or do you leave them in the box? Uh, when I'm collecting, I do both. I'll often buy two <laughs> of a doll that I want, one for in the box and one for out. But with these, I just bought one doll each and took them all out of the box. Well, I just, I had to soul. play. I know, I just had to play with them. <laughs> they're, oh, they're just, they touched that part of me that is still nine years old. And I just had to get them out of the box and sit down on the carpet and, you know, really see how they're made and how, how they move and how they play because they, they are this neat hybrid of, of action figure and, and typical fashion doll, uh, where they have, uh, you know, they, they do like action movements. They'll swing their arms or, or they, they swivel at the waist, like, uh, like they're in combat. Do your action uh, movements mm -hmm. work very well? Um, they don't work great, yeah, but they work fine. <laughs> they work fine, you know, for what they are. They're just kind of meant to be played with by kids, you know, and, sure. and for kids, it's it's mostly in the imagination, you know. Yeah. Zoe loves all of the small guns and lightsabers and shoes. Ah, right. and... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Anything she can put in her mouth, but, you know, that's the life of the two-year-old. <laughs> yep. <laughs> The other aspect of Forces of Destiny I was kind of excited about, uh, since it was so focused on girls specifically, is getting apparel that's specifically made and targeted for girls. Mm -hmm. um, as a dad, it's kind of hard. You want to, like, introduce things uh, to your kid. And um, my wife isn't very excited when we have to go shopping in the boys' department for our daughter. So it was kind of a big deal when we could just go to a girls' department to see Forces of Destiny t-shirts and stuff like that. So as soon as I could, I, I, I bought one of those for Zoe. There's a um, Forces of Destiny, like, almost kind of hoodie. It's a long sleeve shirt with a, with a little hood on the back, and it's black. And then it has the silhouette of, of Ray, Leia, Jin and Sabine, and it looks like they're gonna form a band. <laughs> Rock I don't know man. if you've seen that one. I don't well, know just if the I've way that one. Yeah, just the way they're all holding their weapons, and since it's it's their silhouette, they they really look like they're about to start a band. <laughs> That's funny. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just having these clothes that are specifically marketed towards girls is 
so I hate to say groundbreaking because it's freaking, you know, the, the franchise is 40 years old and we're only just now getting to the point where we can have clothes for little girls that that's insane. But just seeing it really does make me feel like we've entered a new era of Star Wars where Star Wars wants to embrace all facets of its fandom and not just the typical usual elements. You know, it's it's not just about 12-year-old boys anymore. Isn't that what Lucas said? He said he made Star Wars for 12-year-old boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now it's 12-year-old boys and girls. Exactly. And and it's everybody. And ev- because Star Wars is for everyone, it it finally feels like it's for everyone. It wants to be it wants to be for everyone. And it, now you can see just about anybody walking around with a Star Wars t-shirt, even even little girls. It's nice having to, Ray on their shirt. It's nice to mm-hmm. be inclusive, um, to welcome both boys and girls. Like uh, a girl can love it, Star Wars just as much as I can, and the fact that you and I nerd out over Maul is pretty fun. Oh um, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. We both love Maul, just come from a different perspective. You focus on his earring, and I focus on <laughs> his double-bladed lightsaber. Right. <laughs> I mean, I I had much love for the double-bladed lightsaber as well. Well, I, I, you know, it's it's hard for me not to tell this story <laughs> when we're talking about mall and apparel and what's for boys and for girls. Uh, I think you've heard this story before, but I want to share it on the podcast. Um, okay. When I was 11, you know, Phantom Menace had just come out. What I wanted more than anything, at least for the brief afternoon that this story takes place, what I wanted more than anything in the world was a pair of Darth Maul tennis shoes. They were so cool. <laughs> I can did still picture them Darth in my Maul head. Tennis shoes? They sure did. Yeah, I can still picture them. They had like his markings were all over the shoe and then his face was just on the side of it. It was really cool. They were these red and black, you know, sneakers for for um well, for little boys because that's what I was told. Uh, my mother, you know, took one look at those shoes and said, "No, those are for boys." Sure. And so I couldn't have them because they were four boys and that yeah that's no fun at all and i i don't think we're at a place just yet where darth vader is being printed on shoes quote unquote for girls no but i think we're getting closer because he, there there weren't any star wars shoes at all for girls when i was a kid i mean of course i would have wanted the darth maul ones but i would have settled for padme ones <laughs> yeah. but i i don't remember seeing those at all so, but I'm pretty sure today you can find Ray on shoes for girls, you know, quote unquote for girls. I, I don't believe that those Darth Maul shoes were quote unquote for boys. I believe they were for anybody that wanted them and could fit their feet inside of them. But I, I, I feel like we're getting closer. We're yeah. getting, yeah, these things are becoming more and more commonplace. And that's a good feeling because Nobody likes being told that the thing that they love and the thing that they are so passionate about isn't for them. Right. You know, nobody likes being told that they don't belong. And we're getting to a place and with forces of destiny, you know, helping us carve the way. We're getting to a place where Star Wars really does feel like it's for everyone. That's a good thing. And it's it's awesome because not only do we have Force of Destiny targeted girls 
there are a lot of girls really active in the Star Wars uh, fan communities, and they just—it's great to see them welcomed and uh, interacting in a positive way when they are. Um, and I hope that we can continue to help that grow. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do know what you mean. It. We need to encourage it and and help it grow. Honestly. <laughs> Did you, uh, were there any other aspects of Forces of Destiny you were excited for? Uh, well, I do feel like I should bring up the poll that I ran on my own Twitter account, uh, Poe Hot Dameron, at Poe Hot Dameron, which is my Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not spelled that way. It's just spelled like Poe's name. <laughs> I know. I just like saying yep. Hot Damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I ran a poll on there asking what, um, is everybody's favorite part of the Forces of Destiny line. And I gave four options, the dolls, the cartoon show, the apparel, and the books and comics. Uh, and the answer was overwhelmingly the cartoon show. <laughs> the cartoon one, really? Yeah, the cartoon one. 90% of the votes was for the cartoon show, but 10% of the votes were for the dolls. <laughs> Which just means, I guess, I'm in the unpopular opinion club because, yeah, my favorite part of the line is, again, the dolls. They just mean so much to me. They're so cool. They are awesome. And I think that the cartoon actually opens the door for the dolls because I mm -hmm. don't know if the dolls would be as popular if they didn't have the cartoon. They certainly would not be. I, I think they would still be popular because um, they are based on a franchise. Sure. Uh, you know, kids know who Rey is because they know Star Wars. Mm -hmm. You know, even kids who haven't seen Star Wars know who Rey is. <laughs> they know who Kylo Ren is because of just cultural osmosis, honestly. <laughs> right. Uh, but the forces of destiny help promote these characters and draw attention to specifically characters like Sabine. And so then it makes kids want the doll more, honestly. It's a, it's an interesting thing about just kind of um, dolls in general. Kids want to buy toys based on characters that they know. They, you know, Barbie sales are down because try as Mattel might to give Barbie spinoff movies or uh, they think they created a, a web series for her for a time and they have the Netflix uh, Barbie Life in a Dream House. It's not quite the same as buying an Elsa doll. Yeah. It, uh, kids want to be able to play with a toy where they, they feel like they know who this toy is, they feel like they know who the character is and they're gonna go on adventures with that character. So that's very interesting. You, you, we're, you're coming into this from the point of view of a kid of, well, I want somebody I know. I don't want Barbie. I want Elsa. But then you also have to think about the parents who, um, when they're going to buy their kid a toy, they want to give their kid good role models. Yeah. And when typically when parents look at Barbie, they just see a skinny blonde and they go, oh, that's not a good role model. But Elsa, who, when you look at her doll next to Barbie, they're basically the same. They're both just really skinny blondes. But Elsa has good, you know, feminist, you know, uh, morals. And she comes from such a strong movie, you know, that, of course, being Disney's Frozen, right. that if you give parents the choice, you know, who is your kid going to play with, Barbie or Elsa, they're going to pick Elsa. So 
uh, the, you see that very much in the Forces of Destiny doll line, where they're giving these characters very strong stories and morals, and just it's all there to encourage parents to to <laughs> to let their kids play with these toys because they know that these kids are going to want to go on adventures with them, and it's going to take them to good places. I think the storylines are are one of the greatest strengths of the cartoon. Uh, when they were creating the Forces of Destiny, they only hired one writer to write all of it, at least the first, uh, I think it's 16 episodes, no, yeah, 16 episodes of Forces of Destiny. So Jennifer Muro uh, was the one author to write every episode so far, and she actually has a favorite line um, from the, the series, and I talked to her about that on Sunday. Um, so let me uh, play the clip from the line, and then w I will let you know what she said about it. Being a hero is not about success or failure. Being a hero means stepping forward, no matter the outcome. So I sent her a question. Can you expand upon why the willingness to take risks is so heroic to you and she said I guess because heroic to me isn't about success or failure it's about trying because not everyone does not knowing the outcome takes courage and she said that that was her favorite line in the whole series so I thought that that was kind of powerful of to take a risk in a small way is can be viewed as being her heroic. Yeah, that's actually really beautiful. I like that. And, and that's actually something that I've heard um, as a, it's a tip for writing. When you're writing a character, they say that people will identify and appreciate your character more for trying than for succeeding. And I really do like that idea that it takes an immense amount of bravery, even just to try, where it it is brave, where you, you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know if you're going to succeed or fail, but that you're willing to risk it says a lot about you and a lot about your integrity and your bravery. It It shows that you have a lot of stuff if you're at least willing to try. I think that's very beautiful. That's nice. Me too. Like, I think so often we get stuck in our comfort boxes that we don't want to um, take risks where we risk um, either being embarrassed or being rejected um, and things of that nature. But until you do take a risk, it's it, you can't really experience things like love and acceptance. The, some of the best things in life come with risks. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, exactly. Um, I guess I, it uh, it makes me think of Yoda saying, "There is no try." Right. I mean, of course, there's a try, and I did like how Kanan and Ezra un unpacked that in Star Wars Rebels. How they said, um, you know, they kind of realized that you know they were just kind of. Uh, they weren't really committed to being master and apprentice and they, instead of trying to be master and apprentice, they decided that they were you know, going to do it. 
And so I thought that was a nice way to unpack the whole there is no try thing. But you start anything just by trying, you know, and, and, and risking it. And the what you said just now about you're risking failing and being embarrassed. That's so hard for me. I, I find it so hard to, to start up anything new because I'm afraid it's not going to go right or I'm going to make a fool of myself and embarrass myself. And that instills so much fear in me. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I, I am tempted to not even risk it at all because I'd rather not try at all than look foolish. But it, it really does take an immense amount of bravery to, to risk that to to make yourself look foolish and it and it's okay to fail it really is it's okay to try and it doesn't mean you know when yoda says do or do not he's not saying well if you fail then you shouldn't even have tried he's saying he's saying well if you're going to do it at least you know commit to it at least try right i -hmm. i look like a fool all the time i make mistakes (laughs) all the time I probably say things wrong all the time, um, but the 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 great lie is that to believe that no one else is making mistakes, that no one else is like you, that that's not that's the lie. Like everyone really is afraid of things. Everyone is afraid of rejection. People want to be liked. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know anyone that just is like I don't want to be liked. Uh, <laughs> that's not the way that typical human condition is so Mm -hmm. we want to be liked and accepted for who we are and how we are um so don't listen to the voices that tell them you're alone and there's a problem if you fail Mm -hmm. because failing is just if you take come at it from the right perspective it's just an opportunity of learning um and i just encourage people to take risks because the more risk you take, the better we can make things. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. We have to at least try to make things better. Yeah. It's uh, it's almost, you know, what they were talking about in, in uh, Rogue One. You know, what, what chance do we have? What, well, what choice? You know, we, we have to at least try, even if all we have is hope that things will go the way we want to. We have to at least try. Right. The <laughs> mm-hmm. other quote that I really loved for, um, in the just the setup of forces of destiny is the quote that Maz Kanata says at the beginning of everyone where it's the choices we make and the actions we take moments both big and small shape us into forces of destiny I love that quote so much um, because if you if you set your mind if you make a choice on something you're going to do it as Yoda has said, uh, do or do not, there is no try. And the stuff that you do is going to have a bigger impact than what you say you think. Like my wife always tells me, your actions speak louder than your words. So the more you can act upon what you believe, uh, the more impact you'll have. Well, I I love that quote, too, because it hammers in this idea that it's not just the really big moments. It it's not just when Luke throws aside his lightsaber and says, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. You know, that 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 took exactly (laughs) we all do. We all do. Honestly, it that took incredible bravery and incredible heroism. But it's not just those moments that make us heroes. It really is these smaller moments that 
to build us into what we're meant to become, which is forces of destiny. I, I think that's so good that, and that's so clever for a, for a, an outline of what forces of destiny as, as a series is supposed to be. It's supposed to be these look into the smaller moments that build up our heroines into the, the great heroes that they're meant to be. Well, I had a poll on um, my Twitter this week that was, what is your favorite Forces of Destiny episode so far? Um, and we... Right, I, right. I, we I both looked, listed our our two favorite episodes. We both picked our two favorite and we put it as the poll. <laughs> yeah, that's what we did. Mm -hmm. um, so the options that we put on there were The Stranger, which is uh, the Lothcat episode. Is that a Lothcat? Is that right? It's a it's a Tuca cat, isn't it? A Lothcat's from Lasalle, so okay. this one's a Tuca. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that one was my favorite. That's my favorite Forces of Destiny episode is the Stranger. And then Teach You I Will, which is my favorite with Yoda. Uh, the Imposter Inside, which is uh, Ahsoka and Padme in Padme's apartment, and then the Sands of Jakku. We also had 10 votes on this um, poll, and we had 30% for Teach You I Will and 30% for Sands of Jakku. And That's a good episode. 20% for The Stranger and 20% for The Imposter Inside. So it was pretty wow. evenly split between all four. Mm -hmm. and we also well, it just shows that these are all really strong, really good episodes, that the, the votes are so evenly distributed, I think, shows that the this series is consistently strong. Yeah. We have good taste, too. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, of course we do. <laughs> we did have one write-in vote that uh, said... From Amy Wishman. The Ewok Escape. Yeah, I that episode honestly was so close to being my top two. I think that would be my number three, honestly. For me too. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that that episode is so good where uh, Leia uh, helps out Wicket, and then at the end, Wicket leads her to his village, and the Ewoks all give her 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 new dress. I love that so much. Yeah, the dress that she had in Return of the Jedi, which everyone is like, where did that dress come from? <laughs> now we know. Now we know. Well, we don't know exactly like where the Ewoks got it or how they were able to make it so fast. Honestly, I think they're probably just really good at you know throwing together outfits. Or they gave her yesterday's dinner. Like the Maybe. clothing yeah. from yesterday's dinner. <sighs> Gosh. <laughs> You're making me think hard about these Ewoks, man. <laughs> uh, and now I'm I'm holding my uh, my my um, uh, Endor Leia. I have her in that dress, in the the brown uh, Ewok dress. You took her out of the uh, poncho and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, oh, I took her hair down too. She has all this, you know, really long, gorgeous uh, brown hair, and and it was originally up. In, in a really elaborate braid, but I took it down so that she could look like she does at the uh, um, at the Ewok Village when her hair is down. She's got the little braid across the top. I'm sorry, I'm just gushing about these dolls. That's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I could just talk about their fashion forever. <laughs> you love them, but so. uh, I do, and I just I I think it's really good and it's really important 
to me and maybe to some of our listeners that we have a backstory for how Leia got this dress because honestly it wasn't clear in the in Return of the Jedi it wasn't really clear if Leia had consented to this wardrobe change you know especially coming out of um you know the the whole gold bikini thing where she very much did not consent to that wardrobe change I think I think it's just really important that we made it explicitly clear that no, this was a gift and Leia wants it and she's very happy wearing it. Yeah, I, I just don't think, think that's George, really nice. I don't think George really gave it much thought as to how that would impact um, people as they see it. Like, mm-hmm. is does she have a choice of what she's wearing? And especially going from the gold bikini, the hut slayer outfit. Um, to the indoor dress like mm-hmm. uh, to, well, I to remember not address being, it is a, a disservice to her I guess I yeah I agree and I remember being a kid and I wasn't really clear if the Ewoks were trying to keep her as a pet especially since they're about to eat her friends <laughs> you know and they and they all point spears at her when yeah. she tries to leave yeah. You know, like I I wasn't really sure what was going on there and how I was supposed to feel about it. But, you know, in in with the Forces of Destiny, Lucas film has really taken taken control of that narrative and they've crafted a story where you know, they they've recontextualized it to to be clear that no, Leia is their friend and she gets along with them and they like her and they treat her with respect and gave her the choice in what she wears. <laughs> like the, the dress is a peace offering. I just really like that. I think that's very, very important. I can't overstate how important <laughs> that is to me yeah. in the context of Return of the Jedi. Totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I do want to talk a little bit more about that episode as a kickoff into our, one of I think we have like five themes that we've seen in the Forces of Destiny cartoons so far. Um, Sort of lessons that we can learn uh, and how we can apply those to our life, our lives. The first one is, give me a little bit of grace here because I have a hard time describing it, but it's basically teaching the viewer to be creative in problem solving for example in the Ewok escape when Wicket climbs the tree and he basically traps the stormtroopers and he jumps off the other side he creates a pulley but his weight isn't heavy enough to lift two stormtroopers by himself so Leia jumps on top of him and holds him to increase the weight on one side which shoves the stormtroopers up into the branch and I don't think that a kid is going to understand the physics of weight and the pulley system and all of the simple machine things that go into that but I think that a kid does understand that there's problem solving and that they come up with the solution creatively like when Ahsoka is in the Padawan path they kind of visually give you visual clues of what she's thinking. She sees the loose wires that have shorted out, which has caused the droid to act crazy. And then they show the pipe and they, then she jumps and cuts the pipe and pours water on the droid, causing the droid to short circuit. And so 
it kind of just takes you through step by step of how to solve the problem uh, creatively and use ingenuity, basically. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And I think that's really very smart. The The way you describe uh, that the show is asking kids to think critically uh, without necessarily stating it. <laughs> They're not making a point really to to draw attention to, hey, kids, now we're going to teach you how to how to come up with creative solutions to problems but they're they're just showing it in action which i think is a great way to learn and a great way to give kids messages without necessarily drawing attention to it and i think in another way not just necessarily showing the action of hey we're going to you know uh, expose you know pour water on the exposed wires on this droid I, I'm thinking about how Ray is able to get the the Nightcrawler Beast, right? Is that, is that what that was called? Sandcrawler. But the yeah. Sandcrawler Beast? I, no. no yeah, the Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler Worm. Nightcrawler yeah, the, Worm. That's right. I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, the, the worm uh, that was chasing BB-8, she figures out that the way to get it to stop chasing them is to feed it something else. And she's able to solve that problem uh, not necessarily through puzzle solving, but through her compassion. You know, she doesn't jump to, oh, I should kill it. You know, that that's a way that some people might solve this problem. If something is chasing you and it looks ferocious and, you know, it's, it's hungry, it's going to eat you. Uh, you know, some people would jump to, well, I have to defend myself. I have to kill it. But right. instead, Ray goes to, I'm going to feed it something else so that we can both live happily and i think that's really nice that's really great and it, it does help kids think about different ways to solve problems exactly the way you were describing Sandra i think that's really cool jaku is such a fantastic episode and i want to talk about it a lot more a little bit later <laughs> um especially when you consider what ray goes through in a daily life and how much she's experienced hunger uh, it's just so beautiful I have a clip that I kind of want to play for you as an illustration of how kids kind of put it together that you're going to problem solve. Um, Just for a fair warning, I watch Forces of Destiny maybe five times a week with um, my daughter. (laughs) So it hasn't gotten old? (laughs) No, she's... She loves them a lot, and she knows them by heart, especially the older ones. And she's very interactive when it comes to watching stuff that she knows. And so I just want to play this for you so you can get a sense of how she puts together the problem-solving stuff. Sounds great. Yeah. Pull it up. Chewy, (laughs) that's so cute! Oh my gosh! Oh no, you're you're right. That episode where uh, where Leia has to yeah get the door closed. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I'm so glad you shared that. That was wonderful. (laughs) I'm going to be saying that now. 
push the button, Chewie. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be watching Force Awakens. <laughs> you know when like Han Solo shoots the consoles, you know to cut off the the Kanja Club and yeah, all that. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, push the button, Chewie. <laughs> That's delightful. <laughs> She's my heart. I love her so much. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Okay, where were we? Oh, goodness. We were talking about problem solving in Forces of Destiny, but there was another theme I was thinking I could bring up. Yeah. Yeah, and we see in a lot of these episodes about how uh, fiercely our heroines uh, protect those they care about um, or, or even people they've just met. I think that's... That's incredible that we we see Ray protecting BB-8, whom she's, she's literally just met, but she knows that BB-8 is small and needs her help. So, of course, she protects him. And then it's the same with Jin protecting that little girl who's being picked on by stormtroopers or Leia protecting Wicket. They, they see someone smaller than themselves who can't help themselves, so they put themselves at risk to to help you know the, these small children or, or creatures smaller than themselves i think that's very sweet and that shows incredible bravery Absolutely. you know when yeah when we look out for those who can't help themselves it it just breeds goodness into the world i think I, and it mm -hmm. i totally agree and it's it's kind of hard to it's heartfelt and touching to see so many different ways that this applies to all the episodes I mean in the newest recruit you even see Ketsu uh, diving to get the little bat kid I'll get the kid cover me oh yeah <laughs> the kid in the box <laughs> Yeah. Uh, to protect someone that can't protect themselves is a high calling when I became a dad, something happened in me where all of a sudden I became a protector. And it is so ingrained in my character now that I, I don't know where it came from, but it is totally there. And it kind of, it's, it's good to want to protect someone that can't do you protect remember, themselves. Do you remember the movie Hook? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Robin at the Williams. end, mm -hmm, with Robin Williams, and at the end, uh, Peter Pan's last instruction to the Lost Boys is to look after everyone smaller than themselves. You know, he just looks at them and says, look after, take care of everyone smaller than you. And the smallest Lost Boy goes, well, who do I look after? And then <laughs> Peter Pan says, never bugs, little ones. <laughs> And I think, I, I don't know, that's always really stuck with me, this idea that you should look after people smaller than you. And, you know, if, if everybody took care of the people that were smaller than themselves, you know, there, there would be a lot more compassion in this world, a lot more goodness. And um, it's just really important to me that Forces of Destiny is showing that, you know, consistently these heroines are always, you know, they... They have a choice, usually. Uh, Ahsoka certainly did in the Padawan path. Mm. She could have run off to, you know, to, to meet her masters on time and not embarrass herself and not be late and possibly disrespect them. She could have followed that path. 
and, you know, been completely selfless, or she could have taken the time to help someone smaller than her. And of course she chose to help. And that's, that's a small moment that makes her a force of destiny and makes her a hero. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm getting emotional <laughs> talking about my heroes. I just did, love them so much. Did you want to hear the end of that episode? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it might make me cry. <laughs> oh, yeah, The Stranger, yeah. where, oh, where Jin reunites the little girl with her cat. Yeah, hit me. Do it. I think this is yours. Tuki, you're back! Thank you. What's your name? My name's Jin Aso. Thank you, Jin Erso. gosh that the first time I saw that episode it actually made me cry it like legitimate actual real tears streamed down my face when when she said I'm I'm Jin or so yeah. I I I can't quite explain why I because it surprised me how, how deeply that touched me um I I think it was because of of the buildup um where it starts with stormtroopers coming to take away this little girl's family, essentially. And where it, it, even though her family is just a cat, you know, it's, it's not like it, it's her parents being torn away the way it was with Jin. Cause there was a day, a horrible day in Jin's life where stormtroopers came and ripped her parents away, you know, and it changed her whole life. But for Jin as a grown woman now to see stormtroopers come and take away this cat. And the little girl says, no, he's all I have. There's no way Jin can just sit idly by. And this is a Jin Erso who in this point in her story firmly believes, you know, it, it's not a problem if you don't look up. That's what she says about the Imperial flag. It's not a problem if you don't look up. She just keeps her head down and, you know, nothing bothers her anymore she's not going to get involved because no good ever comes from getting involved i'm getting so emotional <laughs> i love okay. it so much oh it's but, really well written which mm -hmm. is why it has such yeah. a great impact on us and i think that that that, that speaks mm -hmm. to the quality of what it is a yeah. short little two and a half minute episode is is touching heart, pulling heartstrings which is yeah. a great thing but then exactly and then at the end, when she, when Jen is able to reunite this little girl with her family, even though, again, it's just a cat. <laughs> I can just imagine somebody listening to it and be all like, it, it, it's a cat. Come on. It's not, it's not her parents or something like that. But, you know, if you give yourself to this idea that this cat is this little girl's family, is, is all she has left in this world, then Jen being able to reunite this little girl with with her Tuka cat and the little girl being so grateful and so happy and saying what's your name Jin's able to open up and and give her true name even though she's still at a point in her life where she just wants to keep her head down and give out false names and you know live a false life in this moment she's living her truest self and she's being the daughter of Lyra and Galen she is 
Jen Erso. She's able to give her name. And the first time I saw it, the the profoundness of such a small, simple moment and a small, simple fact of being able to give her true name and live her true life it hit me so hard. And I, and I cried and cried and cried. <laughs> oh, it, it really was wonderful. It, and it still is. That's probably why it's, it's my favorite episode is because it, it just hit me so hard. Wow. That, mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful. Do you, um, I think that that also is a great illustration empathy and compassion because mm-hmm. she does empathize with the little girls she she can she understands what the girl's going through and um, another character that does that is again Ray in Sands of Jakku um, Ray is struggling day to day just to get bread and water to food um, shelter like she has very little uh, food to eat and Ankar Plutt is rather unfair where he doesn't give out the same amount of food based on the work from day to day so one day he, you might get a full portion the next day you'll get a quarter portion uh, so that day you go hungry so uh, Ray knows what it means to be hungry and to not eat that day so when she empathizes with the nightcrawler worm she doesn't see the nightcrawler worm as an enemy as more as someone that just has needs that are not being met and that wis- the wisdom to do that when you're faced with an adversary is so powerful i think if we would hear each other uh, before we try to be heard it could be very powerful because we can hear what they're actually saying beyond the words and what they're me- what they're needing and what they want and then we can go about finding a solution together from a different perspective so Ray doesn't try to overpower the night crawl the night watcher worm she just tries to feed it something else um and by doing that she makes an ally so to to take an adversary and make them an ally that's even more powerful like why can't we do that in politics (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i i know what you mean especially since we get that follow-up episode with ray where uh, the the nightcrawler worm eats Cheeto's speeder, <laughs> you know Ray was able to, you know, yeah, make that nightcrawler worm into an ally in a way, and and you know it, it was hungry, it needs something to eat, so it eats Cheeto's speeder and yeah. prevents Cheeto from taking BB-8 or, or hurting Ray. And and Ray just drives off saying, "Enjoy your dinner." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would suck so bad to be stuck in the middle of the desert without a speeder. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, right. Ray does make a point to say, "Oh, he'll be fine. He just needs a new speeder." <laughs> uh, but you're right. It just it takes incredible compassion and empathy to 
to be able to even create that scenario where the Night Watcher worm could save her. Because if Ray had killed it in the first Sands of Jakku episode, it wouldn't have been there to help her out in the second episode, you know, that that she was able to connect with it or, or at least show it compassion instead of hatred, then allowed it to help her out later on. And that's, you know, that just shows how goodness and kindness breeds more goodness and kindness. There's another quote, I think it comes from Sabine in The Newest Recruit, where she says sometimes it's about helping people in need uh, when they get food for the... Um, for the Rebel Alliance on their mission with Ketsu. So that's another example of the empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. Next- I thought that episode was very sweet where we got to see Ketsu come back to the team because we haven't seen enough of her, I feel. You know, she was only, what, in one episode of Rebels? I think it was so. good to see. Yeah, it was good to see her make a comeback. And Gina Torres is a great actress, too, so... Oh, of course. Oh, her voice is luscious. <laughs> Caresses <laughs> my ears. <sighs> uh, the next big theme, I actually kind of want to play a clip for you, if you don't mind. Not at all. Please do. Okay, this comes from my favorite episode, Teach You I Will, with one of my favorite characters, Yoda. I, you, I sure you're shocked by that (laughs) revelation oh floored completely floored (laughs) all right here's the clip much like your master you are two lightsabers you have two you shall use but i just started learning two and apprentice two blades are one can sharpen and improve the other what makes you unique makes you strong this you must use yourself you must always be I think I understand I need to fight like myself from their master but take what you learn and make it your own you must thank you master yoda yeah that was a large portion of the episode but (laughs) (laughs) it's a two minute episode and i think you played 45 seconds of it that's fine 
Yeah. Oh, that's such a wonderful episode too. Uh, just seeing Ahsoka come into her own in that way and learn to embrace the way she fights and Yoda encouraging her every step of the way. That's so good. I can never have enough of Yoda being actually a good teacher. Yoda's and not a fantastic like, teacher. He's oh a fantastic God. teacher when he's not telling kids that they're bad just for having bad feelings sometimes. Like, we all have bad feelings sometimes, Yoda. I'm sorry. I won't let that one go. That, that was when he was younger and he didn't know as much. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this... This is one point that I'm going to try to encourage and just build into my daughter every day of her life is that she is uniquely gifted with personalities, um, gifts, traits, um, in so many ways, her personality that is unique. It, it is as I like to put it, she has a fingerprint of God that no one else can have. Um, and that is extremely special that only she can share with the world. And I want her to be confident in who she is. I want her to always be herself and not try to be anyone else because she's perfect the way she is. Um, and I... I love this episode so much because it kind of gets to that is <clears throat> Yoda has a quote that what makes you unique makes you strong so being different isn't a weakness it isn't a flaw it's a strength um, and yourself you must always be uh, so I just really want us like i i want us to share who we are and i know that that's a risky thing to do but it's a very beautiful thing when it happens uh and then later on yoda says take what you learn from your master and make it your own so even the things that you learn from other people you can tweak them to become your own sayings um in your own meaning uh and that is just so powerful and so beautiful I, I, I love this episode so much and not to mention it freaking foreshadows so much of the Twilight of the Apprentice with Anakin and Ahsoka oh exactly you know from the setting to just how they they spar <laughs> so much of this episode of Forces of Destiny uh, it, like you say foreshadows it visually matches up with what we see in Twilight of the Apprentice, which was absolutely intentional on part of the animators and just isn't fair, honestly. <laughs> you know, like uh, they're trying to uh, tug at our heartstrings and make us all cry. And that's just playing dirty, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the things you were saying about how, you know, we're all unique and we need to encourage these things in each other and especially in our children that is that's so important and and i think it's so important for them to say it in, in this context of you know of, of the cartoon show forces of destiny something that is aimed at our, our young girls that's incredibly important is to show our our heroines learning 
to accept parts of themselves that they might see as flaws, you know, to accept the parts of themselves that they see as, you know, difficult. Ahsoka struggles to to understand, you know, how what's most comfortable for her and how to use two lightsabers. You know, it's it's a real struggle and it would probably be easier to follow a different path, but it wouldn't be right for her and it wouldn't having two lightsabers is going to make her strong and, you know, taking the easy way wouldn't make her as a competent warrior as having two, because that's what's ultimately right for her. It's harder, but it's what's right. And, you know, seeing that process I think is really important for children because they'll, you know, come to understand that, you know, maybe a child really wants to sing but it's hard and and they get stage fright or it it's really hard to learn how to hit those notes yeah but it's if it's something that they love and something that feels right then those hurdles are are worth overcoming it's worth pushing through how hard it is and so i think again these are just really important messages to send to children and it, I just I think about how much this would have meant to me as a little girl watching this, especially as a little girl who likes Star Wars. I can easily imagine that there's little girls today, you know, still who feel weird for liking Star Wars. I, I do feel sometimes that Star Wars is still kind of seen as more of a boy thing, you know, quote unquote boy thing. We're, we're getting there. We're getting to a point where it can be an everybody thing. But I I have to imagine that in schools these days, Star Wars is still seen as a boy thing. And if a girl likes Star Wars, then she's a little weird. You know, maybe the other kids tell her that, that she's a boy or she's a tomboy. But you can be a girl and like girly things and like Star Wars. You know, these things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And so if she's sitting down and watching Forces of Destiny and it's telling her, hey, you like this thing, that's cool. This is for you. You belong here. And the things that make you different, that make you unique, will make you strong. I think that's incredibly important and incredibly profound. Yeah. It's such a simple message, but it's it's a powerful one. And I think that the only way to buy into it is if we get positively reinforced with that message on a regular basis because so much of what the world is going to tell us is that our unique uniquenesses are flaws and I, I don't think that that's true when Ahsoka does buy into what Yoda says and how she needs to fight be herself if you notice her stance changes and her grip on her lightsabers change, she goes to the backhanded grip on her lightsaber. Which and she like, becomes more confident too. You notice she immediately becomes more confident, which is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I yeah. like that episode a lot. I can tell it's, yep. It's a good episode and it's a good Yoda moment. <laughs> Makes me love the little green guy. <laughs> yeah. What was the last one that you have for us? Oh, our very last theme, probably my favorite theme, honestly, out of all the ones we have listed here. 
Um, there's a definite theme in all of Forces of Destiny of friendship. <laughs> friendship is magic, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even joking because my little pony, you know, friendship is magic is like one of my favorite things. So <laughs> friendship's super important to me. And I think it's super important to show again to our young children and to our young girls. And it's so important to see it in Star Wars. Because as I've discussed before, I think I brought it up specifically in our uh, Leia discussion when we talked about our top five Leia moments. I kept harping on when we saw Leia and Rey hug in The Force Awakens, how much it meant to me to see these two female leads in Star Wars actually interact on the big screen because we haven't really seen that before. You know, Padme doesn't really get to interact with many other females. You know, there's a couple, there's a few moments here and there, like in Attack of the Clones when she talks to the new Queen of Naboo. But by and large, she doesn't really get to interact with other women. And the same goes for Leia in the OT. She doesn't really have any female friends, any other women to talk to. And that's something you notice, it, especially as, as a girl uh, watching Star Wars, you just notice that these female characters exist as islands. And for Forces of Destiny to shine on light on these female relationships and these female friendships and how they all make each other stronger, that is so important and so moving. It's something that Star Wars has lacked for a long time, and I'm so glad to finally see it. Again, I just get so emotional. <laughs> I really love seeing uh, Sabine and Leia work together to get uh, the Imperial data tapes. Yeah. And Sabine says uh, to Leia, um, you keep fighting on the inside and I'll keep fighting on the outside. And Leia says, I hope that one day we'll be able to fight together. Yeah. That's so, oh, that's so good. Because even though we don't see Leia and Sabine, you know, together very often and you know, a lot of people, you know, would say, oh, I, I never even imagined that Leia and Sabine could meet or would be in the same room. This idea that they are fighting together, you know, one from the inside, one from the outside, they, they have the same goal and they're making each other stronger, even if they're not in the same room. That means so much to me. Or Leia and Hera. I mean, we're mm -hmm. going to see that in a few days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, Hera, I don't think I can handle it. We're also supposed to get an episode in the future uh, coming up soon about Sabine and Jin working together, which I think is just going to make me cry all over the place. Oh, it's amazing to see uh, to see these animated uh, characters crossing over with film characters and vice mm -hmm. versa. Mm -hmm. uh, to see Rebels characters crossing over with Rogue One characters, it's 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 really powerful and really mm -hmm. awesome. Well, and just I I've always believed that that these women should lift each other up, you know, and not tear each other down. <laughs> you you see that a lot in media where you know different women, you know, maybe one woman is girly and another woman, you know, isn't, you know, is maybe more sporty than into dresses or stuff like that. You know, again, these things don't have to be mutually exclusive, but you'll see in media a lot where these two women who are seen as opposites will then tear each other down. And I'm thinking, no, why don't why don't they lift each other up? And that's exactly what we're seeing in Forces of Destiny, these very different 
women with very different roles. You know, Leia is a diplomat and Sabine is a rebel. Sabine, you know, dyes her hair, you know, crazy colors and graffitis everything. And, and Leia is a princess, but they're able to lift each other up and help each other. You know, they, they, in a different show, in a different context, these two women would be seen as opposites and they would not be friends at all. You know, Sabine would spend all of her time trying to sabotage Leia because, you know, she just wants to mess with the perfect princess. But no, this is forces of destiny. Of course, they're going to be best friends. And of course, they're going to help each other out. I think that's amazing. <laughs> I do think that it builds upon existing friendships as well from the Clone mm -hmm. Wars, like with Ahsoka and Padme. They had mm -hmm. a pretty good rapport in the forces or the Clone Wars. But the two episodes uh, in Forces of Destiny are really great. In the imposter in inside, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, imposter in inside. Then the starfighter. Uh, starfighter stunt was stunt? that it? That, that's it. Like yeah. I, I love the report, and I well, also it shows love them that learning from each other. Mm -hmm. Padme and Ahsoka like learning from each other. I think that's really important too. Um, that was one of my favorite things about the Clone Wars animated series was seeing Ahsoka and Padme uh, together and Padme teaching Ahsoka a lot. There were, there would be these moments where, you know, Anakin is quite obviously teaching Ahsoka something awful, like how, you know, all Separatists are evil and they're wrong. So we have to go in and beat them up. And Padme would be like, hang on a second. <laughs> no. And she would take Ahsoka aside and like have little mini adventures with Ahsoka to, to kind of undo or, or at least, uh, you know, uh, temper the things that Anakin, the more extreme things that Anakin is teaching Ahsoka, you know, Padme would come in and show another point of view and then let Ahsoka come up with her own point of view, you know, taking what people have taught her and turning it into her own. I, that was always one of my favorite parts of the Clone Wars and seeing Forces of Destiny pick up on that and um, show us show us even Ahsoka teaching Padme how to fly. That was amazing, especially when you consider how much older Padme is than Ahsoka. The fact that Padme would be open to learning from someone much younger than herself, it shows incredible growth and and you know openness and strength of character on Padme's behalf. I just... Again, these women lifting each other up means so much to me. And Ahsoka took a bullet for Padme as well. Like, she took the shot so that Padme didn't get hit in mm -hmm. her plane. I love Padme's chrome starfighter so much. It's <gasps> a beautiful design. Yes, it is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I really wish it was in the hangar of the Phantom Menace. I know I Because <laughs> it's just darn right beautiful. <laughs> Just like this, you know, series, <laughs> just downright beautiful. Yeah. Forces of Destiny, hashtag downright beautiful. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, that about wraps up our Forces of Destiny talk. For now, there's going to For be now. more <laughs> next week, maybe, where we cover the final episodes and then uh, maybe project what we want to see next in the Forces Ooh. of Destiny. Yeah, that could be fun. That could be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you happen to notice anything that happened today on Twitter? 
Ooh, in like Star Wars news? Yeah, that would be what I was referring to. <laughs> I might have freaked out just a little bit about the uh, the USA Today behind the scenes video for uh, the Last Jedi. I might have. I don't know if you noticed. You might have been a little bit excited about uh, some character. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, today we got um, a new behind the, uh, behind the scenes video with some new footage from The Last Jedi. Um, again, just kind of showing, you know, the process of making The Last Jedi. Uh, there was a particular focus, I think, on Ryan Johnson and just kind of what a big dork he is. And, he is you know, so how awesome. He's so awesome. He, I mean, at least in everything we've seen, he just seems so passionate about about this franchise and about this movie. And you can really tell that he wanted to get this right and to make an amazing Star Wars movie. Um, you know, we, we see scenes of him, you know, giving the entire crew like a high five. And then he's like, I underestimated how many people there were. Like, that was so cute. Okay. <laughs> he's a giant dork in the best possible ways. He feels mm-hmm. like he's a total fanboy that is actually directing a Star Wars film. And he just doesn't take it for granted and is so genuine in this video. I hope that is genuine. Because Me too. <laughs> because he just sounds like somebody you'd hang out with. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I I feel like I could I could hang out with him and talk about Star Wars with him. <laughs> I hope he wouldn't mansplain stuff to me. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't think he would. But I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I feel like I could I could sit down and just talk about Star Wars, and he wouldn't be like, um, actually. <laughs> no, I feel like he'd be cool. Would you like to hear the video? And then talk about it a little bit? Uh, sure. Goodness, the whole thing? It's kind of long. It's about two minutes. I need a refresher. All right, yeah, then hit me up. Let's do it. Let's play this trailer. Not trailer, behind the scenes thing. Uh, Not really. I feel like um, maybe we should give a spoiler warning, but I don't really feel like there's anything very spoilery. Okay, spoiler warning. I don't kind think of. there's any spoilers because <laughs> you're just going to hear the voice of Ryan Johnson talking. Yeah. <laughs> but our discussion could be spoiler. We're definitely going to speculate on a few things. So if you don't sure, like speculation, yeah. leave If now. you don't like, yeah, if you don't like speculation, I guess this is the end of the episode for you. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with you. All right. I will hit play now. Flashback to when I was a kid and with the action figures inside. Suddenly I had like a big lump in my throat. <laughs> this is how they... This is how it gets you. Down inside, here we go, stand by. And action. Ryan is doing many unexpected things and taking characters in new directions. The individual stories of these characters are elevated and made fresh and new. That's what I love about Ryan's approach to the story. It's like a real journey of discovery. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight. First time shooting with Mark, first time shooting with Daisy. First time shooting a Star Wars movie and we got some cool stuff. 
Sad like a dog whimper. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that is great. Ryan's wonderful personality is all over this film. Wow. There's too many of everybody. I misjudged this. He has flaws in other areas. I just don't know about them. <laughs> There's the weird thing that happens when it's being built and when you first show up on it. You're kind of overwhelmed by it all, and then you get into the nitty-gritty of working on it. Ready, and action! And naturally, that level of it goes away, and you find yourself just focused on making the scene work, getting the shots, and then once in a while, you're taking a little break and sitting back, and you look around. You get the holy crap moment again. Concentrated work split up by holy craps. Concentrated work split by holy craps. <laughs> He's so cute. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't stand how cute Ryan Johnson is. <laughs> it's like we were saying before. He just seems like such a fanboy. That's adorable. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, we have to speculate at least a little <laughs> because of this new footage. Sure. Uh, what made me freak out was, um, what is it, about... 13 seconds into the video, we see a shot of Poe Dameron and uh, and uh, Ray yeah. hanging out together. Oh, my gosh. Just the implication that we could see uh, uh, Poe and Ray actually in a scene together blows my mind and makes me so hopeful for this movie. Because it, it just feels so wrong that they haven't talked at all thus yeah. far. Because if, indeed, uh, Finn, Poe, and Ray are our new... Han, Leia, and Luke, then, you know, our, our, our trinity isn't complete <laughs> until Poe and Ray share a scene. And I want to see how they bounce off of each other, how they talk. I I just have so many hopes and dreams, and I hope this movie lives up to them it, when it comes to Poe Dameron, honestly. You could see Poe flying the Millennium Falcon. Have you thought about that? Oh, I've thought about that so hard, and I want that so bad. I don't I don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, I, ha I have a lot of ideas about how, you know, uh, Poe is supposed to be a successor to, to Leia. And, you know, maybe Poe kind of represents the son that Leia really wanted, you know, the, it, where he has all of her ideals and her strong moral character. And then Han's like piloting skills and his drive, you know, all of that. And... To see Poe in the seat of the Millennium Falcon, you know, after all I've kind of built up in my head about how he could be Leia's ideal son, I I would just, I would love that. I think that would be amazing. And I, I almost wonder if he and Ray could, like, co-pilot it together. You know, maybe Chewie is is out of commission, kind of how he was in Force Awakens when, when Han and, and Ray uh, co-pilot the Falcon for, for a hot minute. Right. I, I think that would be so cool to see just these two ace pilots, um, you know, working off each other to, to fly the Falcon. I think that would be incredible. I, I, I'm just, I'm writing like a fanfic in my head about it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if the movie will live up to my fanfic. I mean, probably not, <laughs> but, but we'll see. And just, Again, the implication from this video that we could see Ray and Poe together just fills my heart with so much hope. It's so good. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. When I saw it, I was really encouraged by... Uh, I think there's three or four scenes where Carrie Fisher is just gabbing uh, Ryan Johnson's ear off. 
and just imagining what those conversations are about and to think of what this means for uh, Princess Leia and um, how Carrie could have influenced what we do, what happens to uh, Princess Leia. Um, I, I, I'm just really encouraged that he was listening to what she had to say. And I'm really excited to find out how Leia's story is going to hopefully co come to a conclusion to get some closure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I almost wonder if this movie is going to end, like, hinging on Leia, you know, like, I wonder if the reason, you know, it's it's been such a scramble to, you know, to to work on episode nine, you know, to 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 find somebody who can make things all, all right, you know, to they they I, I feel like they brought in JJ for a reason, and that's because they've been having a hard time working around, you know, what to do with Leia's story, and so that gives me the sense that episode eight is. It's going to end and we're all going to be sitting here going, oh my gosh, how are they going to do episode nine without Carrie? So that to me implies that in a way, this next movie is going to end with something like hinging on Leia, like, you know, something's happened to Luke and something's happened to Ray and, and Kylo and it's up to Leia to, to save them, you know, something to that effect. You know, you know, maybe, maybe not that exactly right. where, you know, oh, they're all stuck in carbonite and only Leia can save them. I just <laughs> feel like things are going to hinge on Leia in a certain way that it's just going to leave us all going, oh, my gosh, this can't be done without Leia. I, I just I wonder if things are going to kind of center around Leia in, in a certain way and uh, and then leave us, you know, going just unable to imagine how 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 episode nine would proceed without her because she seems so integral to this story and again it just like you were saying it means so much to see her sitting there with the director and you know having his ear like that i i really do feel like leia is so woven into this sequel trilogy that i, I don't know if we're going to get the closure that that you're looking for i I guess that's that's my biggest fear, but it it really is just kind of how I feel about episode eight right now. Is that episode eight is going to have a lot of Leia and and not really conclude her story? I, I think it's going to have something like open ended, and and we're all going to be sitting here going, "Oh my gosh, they they're going to have to do something amazing to to you know write this story without Leia." If that makes any sense, it does. Um... And you might be right. They may not give us closure in Episode Eight in The Last Jedi. It, it definitely is a risk. I don't. I probably should. I'm setting myself up for disappointment. But I think I've said it before that I just I don't want any future stories with Leia beyond The Last Jedi. Like I don't want future novels. Like or comics like they can do stuff prior to the last jedi but i i don't it's just my opinion and i it might be 
a minority so yeah i don't i don't know what they're gonna do i i feel like there probably will be novels about leia after episode eight but i mean we'll just have to wait and see what um what happens with her story in this next one um Gosh, was there anything else in this behind-the-scenes footage that really stood out to you? Because for me, really, it was just Poe. Uh, everything else, I think, was stuff that we've more or less, you know, seen before. Like we see Ray on Jakku. Like surprise, Ray's on Jakku. I had no idea. Like, no, not Jakku. Sorry, Octo. Yeah. Sorry, I completely messed that up. That's okay. Yeah, we see Ray on Octo. Surprise. With her Force um, Effects lightsaber, that's kind of cool. It's not really love it. Force that is cool. Effects the lightsaber, but. <laughs> It might as well be, honestly. It's kind of cool uh, that they make a, a real lightsaber that they can hold that glows and mm-hmm. probably makes noise. <laughs> well, was there anything else that stood out for you or um, about good? I liked seeing our first shots of, well, maybe not our first shots, but seeing more Rose was kind of cool. And in one oh, of the yeah. shots, we get a shot of DJ undercover with uh rose and finn oh that might be cool so it's pretty fun and it's just kind of hearing ryan johnson talk about directing and his experience is like how crazy would it be to direct a star wars film you know (laughs) i wouldn't even know what to do honestly (laughs) i would probably just start crying (laughs) pretty much so you said last week that if we got any reviews, you might <gasps> read them. Yes, I would, and I will. <laughs> we got our very first iTunes review Woo-hoo! from. Yay! <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> I I oh my gosh! This is from uh, Jason Hunt <laughs> over on the Wampa's Lair podcast. He came over and left us an iTunes review, and I can't believe it. Mostly just, like, because uh, he uh, he actually went out of his way to uh, mention our show on his podcast, which was just so nice. I can't, I can't handle it when people are super nice to me. I just I don't know how to handle that. I don't know what to do. We were very flattered and humbled. Thank you very yes, much, exactly. Jason and Carl. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Carl, at the Wampus Lair Podcast, which is just an amazing podcast. They've been doing podcasting, Star Wars podcasting, for six years now, which just is so cool. I I am so grateful for them that they would take time out of their podcast to promote ours, and then that Jason would then take time out of his day to come and leave us a review. And so... If anybody wants to leave us a review on iTunes, um, you know, if you say something nice about us, I will absolutely read it out on the air and give you a shout out and then give you all the thanks. So, Jason, (laughs) here's what you said. He says, looking good so far. Aside from the beginning podcaster technical difficulties, this is a great show. The discussion is great. Katie and Brian play off each other really well. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the show grows and develops. Jason, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> also, sir. Yes, thank you, sir. All the gratitude. A galaxy's worth of gratitude. Also, um, kind of how dare you leave a review on my podcast when <gasps> I've 
I've never remembered to leave a review on yours. You haven't left a review on their podcast? <laughs> I never have. Well, at first it was um, because I couldn't figure out how. I was like, where do you leave a review? I don't understand. But then it was, I just kind of forgot, like, <laughs> you know. So many, you know, so many months, so many weeks go by and, you know, these things, you know, the podcast just download and, and you don't really think about these things until somebody really nice leaves a review on yours and you go, oh, yeah. Just so we're <laughs> clear, Jason, I left a review like years ago, so I'm clear. Of course you did, because <laughs> you're a good friend and I'm not. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, you're this is how you can tell, you know, your light side and I'm dark side. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm dark side because I go, hey, review my podcast. I'm not going to review yours, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, again, Jason, thank you so much for that. And for anybody listening, I mean, just first of all, uh, thanks for listening. Thank gosh, you. Yeah, thank you. You're pretty much the best person ever clearly also very smart and you have excellent taste and i will just sit here and here and flatter you all day honestly <laughs> hey guess what you're the coolest person you're hey so come closer cool. you're the best <laughs> we love you you're great <laughs> we have the best listeners anyway anyway okay so you know flattery out of the way uh, again, if you want to leave us an iTunes review and say something nice, I will read it on the air and give you tons of kudos. Um, otherwise, if you want to reach out to us, you can do that at MoonJockeysPod on Twitter, or you can email us at MoonJockeysPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Brian, if people want to reach out to you personally, where can they do that? At Balls and Play on Twitter and Instagram. Wonderful. And if anybody wants to reach out to me personally, you can do that at Poe Hot Dameron on Twitter. And that about does it here. Goodness, another one in the can. I feel so accomplished. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Woo! So, yeah, I, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Can't wait to talk next week. Brian, thank you so much for recording with me. Thank you for recording with me, too. It was so much fun. It was. Well, all right. I guess we'll sign off. Everybody out there, just remember that the Force will be with you. Always. Always.